kind of another angle I want us to look at from this. So we're going to look in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 36, 2 Chronicles 36, <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 36, and we'll read some scripture here. There's a lot of scripture I have. Um, and what we're going to, what we're going to consider today is the true remedy for abortion, Okay. The true remedy, and it goes beyond a Supreme Court decision. Second Chronicles 36, and we're going to look at verses 14 to 16 or 17. Moreover, all the chief of the priests. And the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God. And despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden or old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. Here's a passage here that mentions <clears throat> the, the end of kind of the regular history of Israel at this point. Israel was actually, up to this point, was split into two nations. We would call the one nation of Israel actually Israel, the northern kingdom. And then the southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin. And over the years, they had sinned against God, did all kinds of things, and the northern kingdom had already been taken captive. They were pretty much dispersed. All that was left was this southern kingdom, the main kingdom, Judah, where, Bethlehem, uh, where yes, Bethlehem and Jerusalem is, and Benjamin, kind of the core people. And finally, they are plundered, and many of them killed and dispersed and taken away from their home country, into uh, the Cal land of the Chaldees, the, into Babylon. And they were there for 70 years, and then they got to gradually start returning back and rebuild. And by the time they rebuilt, uh, they had a different temple uh, and different things. And then 500 years later, Christ comes on the scene, and, and it's kind of that, uh, that scenario. This, what we just read, was the statement of, well, they came to the end of the rope. They're done now. And now God had been warning them and warning them and warning them as a, as a nation and sending them prophets. And they turned from them and they made fun of the prophets. They abused the prophets. And so God sent uh, this nation, this cruel nation, this cruel king to come and punish them. One of the things it says, though, is that, look at verse 14, moreover, all the chief of the priests, so this is the spiritual leaders, 
Previously, it talked about the kings. But all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen. So there's all kinds of abominations. That is, abomination means just a repulsive, reprehensible practice. That's what abomination means. A repulsive, reprehensible, disgusting practice. And among the abominations of the heathens that God's people started practicing, among those abominations were immoral things, sexually immoral things, sodomy, bestiality. Um, they were offering their kids in a fire to a god named Moloch. There was child sacrifice. Um, there was harlotry, all kinds of stuff that the abomination of the heathen were doing. And so now those abominations of the third world country <laughs> were creeping into this God's people who had been well established in this land, this glorious country that they were in. Glorious country, Israel. And now they're, all these wicked abominations are infecting them, infiltrating them, and they're practicing them against the voice of the prophets that are speaking against it for years. And so God says, well, we can't let this happen and still have you be called my people. Notice a couple things. I want to back up a little bit. Look at chapter 28. Chronicles, it means it's chronicling, recording the history of uh, these kings, both in Israel and Judah. And here's different kings and how they did. There was some good, some bad, some good, some bad. And it says in chapter 28, look at verse 1. Chapter 28, verse 1, we're getting a, we're getting a little synopsis of one particular king. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David, his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. The kings of Israel were worse. And, and made also molten images for Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And it goes on to say that God basically punished him for this. He did all kinds of abominable things. He turned, instead of worshiping the God by faith, the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament covenant, he started worshiping these gods you can see and carve out where there was an appeal, there was something appealing in, these, in this paganism. And he started doing things where, what are you talking about? Verse 4, what are you doing burning your child in the fire? Are you kidding me? I mean, there's some pagan religions out there that on the surface, like, eh, maybe I'd try that. I don't, why would you try this? <laughs> burning your kids in the fire to the god Moloch? Well, why was he doing this? Notice something in verse 21. Verse 21. 
Ahaz took away the portion of the house of the Lord out of the house of the king and out of the princes and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped them not. He's trying to, trying to get some uh, advantage, some victory here against this king of Assyria. And notice verse 22, it says, In the time of his distress, again, this king Ahaz, he did trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. And they were the ruin of him and of all Israel. Now he's sacrificing to, oh, those gods over there, let's sacrifice here. Oh, those gods over there, let's sacrifice here. One of the motives for sacrificing a child to a false god is you have the false belief that that God will be happy and satisfied with that most precious thing. And in exchange for you giving it over and letting it, killing it before this God, that God will cause you to be successful. They had it in their mind that they would generate and it would produce success if they gave that most precious thing to this God. Perhaps their fields would be more productive. Perhaps their own economy would be better and they, and, and if they gave up this most precious thing. Um, Todd Starnes. Have you ever heard of Todd Starnes? He's a, he was a Fox News contributor. He actually spoke or they had him kind of uh, do some interviews at Spiritual Leadership Conference. In La- you went to that, didn't you, Adam? In Lancaster, at Lancaster Baptist Church. And Pastor Chapel, I believe, is a friend of his. Um, he's a Christian, got a good testimony. He was fired from Fox News because he said something along the lines of this. <clears throat> the Democratic Party is committed to worshiping the god Moloch. He got fired for that. That's not a bad reason to get fired. The point is, this right here, this Old Testament king sacrificing babies and other people that did that in, the, in their mind, thinking, well, this will help me, is similar to people who say, well, it, when, when a person's pregnant and they don't want the baby, I can't have this baby. I want to abort it because it's getting in the way of my success. That's how some people think. I'll be more successful if I wasn't hampered by this. So let's talk about this for a little bit. 63 million abortions have taken place since 1973. It's considered the CDC defines an abortion as the termination of a suspected or known pregnancy that does not result in live birth. Today, most people that get abortions, 85% of them are unmarried women. Unmarried. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, by the way. If you were to do a poll, Pew Research is more, Pew Research, you know how you always, well, there was a survey that was done, and everybody's like, well, everybody can make up a survey, you know. Pew Research tends to be more of a recognized uh, agency that does research and surveys, and they did one recently, then it says 61% of people of the United States Americans think that abortion should be legal. 61%. And 37% think otherwise, probably pretty much like us. That should be illegal, of course. It already is illegal in God's eyes. Thou shalt not kill. That settles it. 61%. Um, So that tells me something 
that we had the Supreme Court decision, and I'm, I'm happy for it. I just don't always know how, how happy to get about it. Because if you still have 61% of people that think this way, what's going to happen eventually when they get the leverage again? So let's think about back at this story. Ahaz did this child sacrifice. Some of the other kings did. And all kinds of abominations they did. And what happened? The prophets came along and they spoke against it. They spoke against doing that. Slaying the innocent, Jeremiah said. They hated Jeremiah. They spoke against slaying of the innocent and shedding innocent blood. God said one of the reasons that he took them captive is there was much innocent blood shed in Jerusalem. If God ever punished our country, we wouldn't have to ask very many questions. Why? A lot of innocent blood shed here. Lots and lots of it. So anyways, he did that. The prophets speak against it. They ridicule the prophets. Oh, you're just a hate monger. You're so negative. Hate speech. They said stuff like this. to. Did you know they said stuff like this to, to Jeremiah? You're discouraging the heart of the people. Speak unto us smooth things like these prophets. Oh, the ones you got paid over there? Yeah. They, they called. And so and that's what they said to Jeremiah. And they hated him and they abused him. And so God judged him. So you have today, you have our nation is practicing abortion. We're allowing for it. It shouldn't even be a question in politics at all. But it is. And there's a whole political party that, that accommodates that abomination. And you have people like with common sense saying, that's wrong. You're a hate monger. Don't you care about reproductive rights? And women's health? Yeah, I do care about those things. But I don't think that's a woman's health. And so we get, you get ridiculed and, and prophets and pastors are, gonna, are getting ridiculed. And they will continue to be unless something changes in a heart. So we better get used to it, embrace ourselves. Prophets are hated and abused. The pastors and Christians are hated and abused. And accused of being negative and all these other things. And that we want people to just have backyard uh, or uh, what do you call it? Back uh, alley abortions and bleeding. You just want to oppress the poor and all these crazy thoughts we're going to address in a minute. And so we're kind of in this parallel time. of Israel went through something like this. And look how they treated the prophets. The prophets kept speaking back, and they did it as long as they can till there was no remedy. And I'm just saying, we have time to influence each other. We have time to influence maybe a friend or family member through the gospel and through other means to, that, that there is a remedy still for us. There is a remedy for the country on this issue, and it's not remedied by a Supreme Court decision. I am happy it changed, but it's momentary, and you'll see the reasons why in a minute. So I want to assert to you um, three things that I think will help our country, help us. I want to put it in your thinking. I'm not here to convince. I, I'm sure, pretty sure everybody in here is like, I'm pro-life, Pastor. What are you doing preaching to the choir? It's not that. It's that I want you to think along some Bible thoughts. Thinking after God's thoughts, even the whole idea. Some of you never knew that was in the Bible right there about Ahaz because you haven't read the Bible. You're a Christian. You haven't read that. 
that they did child sacrifice, that God punished them for sodomy, sexual immorality, and child sacrifice. Have you ever, you should have, you should have read that by now. If you had your Bible more than 10 years, you should have read that. And that's something, we're shadowing this thing of Israel. And so, all right, so what we're doing is let's think along God's thoughts. Here's three things that, that people need, that we need to see happen, that, that I want to consider today that are, would form a real remedy that are non-political, that don't involve legislation. Three things that it doesn't, has nothing to do with the voting, in, so to speak. Voting will, is an expression of what people are already at. All right. Number one thing is we need for us in our hearts and to help others, to help others stop believing lies. Stop believing lies. If you think about the so-called pro-choice thing, the pro-choice position, a right to do what she wants with her body, all that. If you think about that position, there's actually laced with lies. I'll give you a few in a minute, but before I do, I want you to realize how they're coming down. John 8, 44, Jesus talked about the devil. You're the father of the devil, the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil produces lies. He fathers lies. Here's some lies that people around us, and you see people on TV really believe this stuff. Number one, one lie is they think that when they're pregnant, it's not really a baby. It's a fetus. It's a fetus, and a fetus is a baby. Do you realize that some people, why do people, you're sitting there thinking, why do people commit abortion? Because they've told themselves, this is just a fetus. Some kind of Latin term in their mind. I don't really know what that fetus is. Some kind of obscure formation there. So it's okay to get rid of a fetus. It's okay to get rid of a tumor, right? Yeah. So people are making it impersonal by, oh, it's just a fetus. It's just not really a baby. It's not viable and all this. And so Satan wants people to believe those things. Satan is the god of this world who's blinded the minds. He gets people to think false thoughts. So it's just a fetus. It's not really, it's not really a baby. It's not really a child. And then, but yet the Bible, look in a couple of texts here. Uh, look in. God shows respect for a child in the womb, even in the law here. If a couple of men were in a fight, and the wife of one of the men ran up and was trying to, inter, trying to interject in the fight or help her husband beat up this guy, and the other guy defending himself hurts her and she's pregnant... Notice the language here, Exodus 21, 22. If a woman gets hurt in a fight or some kind of skirmish and she's pregnant, notice what it says. Exodus 21, 22. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, she miscarries or the child dies or it's a... There, yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according to the woman's husband, as the woman's husband will lay upon him. And he shall pay as the judge de judges determine. What does it say? Hurt a woman with child so that the fruit depart from her. So if there's a fight and a man hurts a woman who's pregnant, 
He's going to be accountable for that. While it's being uh, developed there right in the womb. And if, if somebody causes an injury, then there's a civil settlement there that takes place. What does it call? If a woman, what does it say? If men strive and hurt a woman with fetus, it's this child. It's child. What does it say of John the Baptist? And anybody remember Luke 144 about John the Baptist when he was about six months in the womb of Elizabeth and Elizabeth's cousin Mary comes in. She walks in and what, what happens to that baby? Leaps for joy in the womb. Here's the voice of his mother's cousin, Mary, the mother of his Savior, whom he will preach. And he's happy. He leaps in the womb for joy. There's emotion shown in the womb from a little child. It's not just an impersonal fetus. Some people, well, it's just not really. It's just, not, it's just a fetus. It's, it's a baby. It's a baby in there. Do you realize we have friends and people that think that way? You've got to help them. I'll talk them through it. Say, you're pregnant. Well, is it a human? Well, it's a fetus. Is it a human fetus? Yeah, human. Is it alive? Yeah. So it's a human life. And you're going to take human life. Don't do that. We got something better. There's an alternative there. The heartbeat starts beating on the 21st day. Isn't that amazing? So people need to stop believing lies, right? We, sometimes we're believing lies on different things. We've got to watch, what am I thinking? Am I thinking after God's thoughts? And so dear people out there that are, that are trying to, that are foaming at the mouth and protesting so aggressively, it's because they're believing that this is just a fetus. The second lie that people believe and they purport it's really a deception, is this. It's my body, right? It's my body. And people were like, yeah, it's your body. We're not pro- we don't have a problem with your body. Yeah. It's not your body we're contesting. It's the body in your body. That's what we're interested in. And so people were, uh, get all this... Get your laws off my body. Okay. We got them on somebody else's body, though. <clears throat> it's, it, 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 no, just think about this. That is so deceptive. And I think some people are saying it, and they know they're deceptive. It's my body. You know. We're not dealing with talking about your body. Your body's housing something very vulnerable that we have an interest in not being uh, slain. But people say, it's my body. And then some people, this is another thing that's purported to us, and don't believe this. We mentioned it a, bit, a moment ago, and I've noticed in the last 10 years, I don't know what it is, I never used to hear this, but in the last 10 years, Democrats say that we are, we are in favor of women's health care and reproductive rights. That is lying terms. It's lies. Lie, lie, lie. It's not health care. It's caring for no one's health. And it's not reproductive rights. You, you have the right to reproduce yourself. The problem is you're trying to kill something you're reproducing. And so see these things? 
We need to listen to what people are, people are listening to. And they think it's, they're, they're walking around in their mind like, you know, it's women's health care. I need to vote for the right person because, you know, only these guys care about women's health care. And these evil Republicans and Christians don't. It's not about health care. It's not. We care about, we do care about your health and we care about somebody else's health. And this right here is actually flipped over. It's death care. They are so deceptive. This is a godless political party that the whole nation should be ashamed of. It's disgusting. Let's look at a couple things. Exodus... Excuse me, Deuteronomy 27, 25. Deuteronomy 27, 25. Deuteronomy 27, 20. Actually, in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a list here. I'm sorry, in chapter 27, it was of, of curses and blessings. Particularly, there's a curse in chapter 27 that they would, they're basically saying, we are never going to do this in this country. And if we do, it's a curse. It will curse us. That's what they were saying to each other as they're coming into this new land in Deuteronomy 27. And one of the curses is this. Oh, verse 25, Deuteronomy 27, 25. <clears throat> Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. Cursed be he that gets paid or takes a reward in order to slay an innocent person. The idea is, cursed be the person who partakes, who's getting paid to perform the abortion of killing an innocent person. That's a curse. I wonder if we would have so many financial problems. We have ton, all the, I mean, we're going to have, every, everything has, everybody has problems. And every nation has its ups and downs. But like the incredible natural disasters that are depleting us, the, just the weird things we have happen, shootings. This is weird. All the time and the financial problems and all that, it's like, are we, we're already, we're, we're, it's like a curse because of what's happening here. So, I want us to think through this. You know, look, what, what, you're, you're sitting there, you're a Christian, you're a pro-lifer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy about the Supreme Court decision, and I am too. But we've got to think, wait a minute, the work's really not done. We've got to still help people. They still think the wrong way until ultimately they get converted to Jesus Christ. And some people change just because they, they get some common sense in them without even becoming a Christian, and they change in a way. But one of the aspects is stop believing the lie. That's a baby, not just a fetus. Yeah, we're, we respect your body, but there's another body in there. And we care about your health care, but we also care about the care of another person's health. So we've got to see through some of these lies. You know what God says? He hates the hands that shed innocent blood. Proverbs 6, 17, these things that the Lord hate, hands that shed innocent blood. So number th the second thing is that would help, that's a remedy for, that we want to see happen to our country and to individuals is not believe in lies, and that means we need to be voices of truth, by the way. Not just on this issue, but on every issue. Be a voice of truth. But secondly, not stop believing lies. Secondly, we need to, for ourselves in here, 
and other people encourage people to take responsibility for their own sexual choices. People need to take responsibility for their sexual choices. Everybody does. And I'm not, I'm not, I'll, 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 make, I'll mention the idea of rape and incest in a moment. That's a very small occurrence. But every one of us, Christian and non-Christian, you are responsible for your sexual choices. Because here's what's happening. If you look, some of the people like, so we're like Rover, word was overturned and I was happy and then you have these raging I mean these people who are supposed to be tolerant open-minded loving liberals raging protesting threatening to kill I mean they wanted to kill some of our Supreme Court justices and were taunting them and the president was hardly saying anything about it shame on him but they were taunting and then you have all this um you have just these, I mean, even at our Capitol, that didn't last long, though. They're ba you know, banging on the glass of the legislature, and the tear guys shot some tear gas. Like, get out of here. And so, I mean, what are, these people, what are you raging about? Are you okay? Are you okay? Is, it, do you have, is somebody trying to kill you? No, no. What are you raging about? Many people are raging because they want to go on sexually reckless without consequence. I want to keep doing this and be reckless and not have anybody stand in the way of this. That's what it's about. And I don't want to take responsibility for my sexual choices. And boy, it comes out. It's the, I'm telling you, this is bearing out our true and our wicked nature. You know, the Bible says, And every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Jeremiah 17.10 says, 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the reins. I try the hearts to give to every man according to his, to his deeds. God knows the hearts of people and the motives of people. If a woman gets pregnant, he knows, he understands her motive in that whole situation when she got pregnant and the man who participated. He understands if she was raped. He understands if there was incest. He understands those things. But in either case, a person needs to act responsibly with their own sexual choices and the results of it. A man who gets a woman pregnant ought to follow through and take care of her. A woman who gets pregnant ought to see that baby through birth, child raising, or an, or, or a, an adoption. That's what ought to happen. And unfortunately, in that very, very few small cases that liberals want you to think that happens all the time, people are raped and incest, it, it does happen. It's not happening a lot, thank the Lord, at this point. In those cases, you still should act responsibly. responsibly. I'm, in I'm in favor of abortion, of abortion in pretty much no case at all, unless there's a scenario where it's like it's literally like, oh, this is, you have to take this baby out of the way because some crazy surgery or something, that's different. But even in rape and incest, a baby needs to be followed through on. There was a girl who used to attend our youth group in this church, and I didn't know this till later on. She was a life, she was a birth as a result of incest. And her Mom chose not to abort her. She was raised by somebody else. She did okay around here. I didn't even know this until years later. And she seems to be doing okay now. Um, okay, so people, people right now, it's like people don't want, so you think, why are Americans crazy? A lot of Americans, they don't want to take responsibility for their sexual choices. 
And unfortunately, if somebody's pregnant, if somebody gets raped, if it's like a family member rapes another family, that's horrible. And, 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 and even in that case, like, give birth, put it up for adoption. Don't act irresponsible with the, yeah, but it, but, it, but it was because of rape and incest. Who cares how the baby got here? If a husband and wife are pregnant or the wife's pregnant and they, she decides she, she didn't really want to have this baby, she shouldn't abort for that. Neither should somebody who's, who was raped just abort because, well, uh, it, this happened under these circumstances. It's kind of like I've told you this example before. Imagine two kids get dropped off at church here. We've had kids dropped off at church before. They both come in. How are we going to treat each of these two kids? They get dropped off two different ways. One's dropped off from a bus. One's dropped off from another vehicle. They come in. They, they're going to attend Mrs. Mrs. Devon's class. And then they're going to, uh, one of them's going to attend, you know, sit in Mr. Rusty's uh, children's church. How are we going to treat those kids the same? He's like, what are you asking this? Well, what if one of the kids was brought here in a stolen car? What are you going to do about it then? He came here illegally. One kid came by a bus. One kid was dropped off in a stolen car. You don't treat him any different. He had no choice in how he was brought here. Same thing with babies. If a woman's raped, I'm sorry. If a woman gets pregnant in marriage and she didn't want it, I'm sorry. Treat the babies the same. It wasn't their choice on how they arrived. See, that's what we need to think and tell people. Right? We, we always have excuses as a marriage. Well, in this case, no, we need to sort through that, that, that some of that stuff is garbage. Okay, so here's the thing. The last thing people need, it's not the last thing they need, it's the first thing they need, but it's the last on this thing here. We're talking about, all right, remedy. What's a real remedy for abortion? You know, um, we got the Supreme Court, barely, seems like their life's at stake, made that decision. And I, they were very brave, by the way, the conservative ones that made those decisions. And yet, ultimately, people need to be led to the new birth, right? The whole abortion issue to really is that people need, that is, individual minds, a typical American needs to be born again. They need to be saved because we have pagan minds. We have selfish minds that say, I will do any kind of sexual act I want. I will do anything I want with my body and with a baby growing in my body. And don't you tell me what to do. And the only way to change, I mean, you can throw more laws, slap more laws on top of that. If we all, if every, you know, if we, the way this country is set up, if everybody, if the whole country is suddenly run by Christian Republicans or whatever you want, it wouldn't last long because the populace will not stand that until their hearts change. It will not last long. It would be fun for a while. It'd be like, ha ha, it's our turn. You know, it'd be fun. But if, unless there's a grassroots thing that says that person is lost, they're going to continue to have godless values. The average American, if the average American goes on without Christ, the tendency will be that they will tend to become more and more godless in their value system. And no Supreme Court decision is strong enough to last long enough against a mass citizenry that is bent on getting their wicked rights back. That's how it is. 
We won't, it won't last long unless there's grass, like people's hearts need to be changed. And so I, I'm trying to help us think. I know some of you, you think these ways. Some of you don't. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you kind of go your way. And you kind of read the news and you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Glad some Republicans finally said something, man. It's a good thing we had Trump, man. I'm do glad we have him. The two best things he did was uh, the, uh, support Israel and put in pro-life judges. Otherwise, he kind of had a bad attitude sometimes. But, but you know, we start thinking, it's, good. it's not all about the politics. Yeah, so look at this back here. You know, in Second Chronicles there. Don't you like, the Lord is good. Look at, what, look at what he says here. He put up with this garbage for a long time. Put up with them for years, being, being uh, rebellious to him. Look what it says in Second Chronicles thirty six fifteen. The Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers rising up betimes and sending. Why did you do that? Because he had compassion on them. He had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers. What is it saying? I'm trying to spotlight the fact that when God was trying to fix this, it was out of compassion. Maybe this should be our fourth point then. When God was trying to fix it in Israel, he's like, hey, we can't have this. We can't have, and he's trying to help them. What are you sacrificing your babies? Why are you altering your sexual choices? Why? No, I have a law for you. Don't follow the, the law in your own flesh or the, the law of this pagan God. I have a law and a way for you. And God had compassion on them. when he Listen, when he sent messengers to Israel, these, these were tough, tough prophets. But a lot of times, like Jeremiah, he's crying all the time. It's showing that he cares. He says, mine eye affecteth my heart. I can't stop looking. If I, if I keep looking at this, I'm just going to keep crying. And there should be Americans that are crying as well for what we see. But God did it. What was, what was motivating God to fix this compassion? Ugh. And that what can motivate us to help people with just our home country in a multitude of ways is just compassion. Love can, love can, when we say love, we mean the Christian deep, divine sort. Love can fix a lot of things in the sense of it can really help compel. Now, I don't mean the, the way liberals define love. That's cheap. But the way God defines it, the kind that suffers long as his kind, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, kind that can, can deal with and cover all kinds of, we can deal with that. We can cover all kinds of sin and help. And that's what we need to have. I was thinking of people, you know, like there's one of the ladies in our church. She, 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 she worked at, uh, at a Choices Pregnancy, and, and she dealt with ladies that would come into this Choices Pregnancy Center. Choices Pregnancy Center was a place where you make a choice. And they're designed to help you choose life. And uh, one of the ladies in our church, she befriended one of these other ladies that came in there, had compassion on her, cared for her, spent a little extra time with her. And that lady made the choice to keep her baby and the next one because there was a little bit of compassion. That can help soften hearts. And that's what we need to see. And that's what we need to go forward with.
And we, we need to tell ourselves, look, we are pro-life and we're pro-eternal life. <laughs> we want to see some spiritual births. Jesus said you must be born again. We want to see spiritual births. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the, the time we had in your word. And I, I just